heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, Browns fans. Another loss. Are you, like me, some mixture of happy, sad, worried, concerned? Is that kind of the the overall mindset after uh, a week three defeat to the Miami Dolphins? I know that's where I'm at. Um, My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host for this Locked on Browns podcast. Thank you for stopping by today. Uh, Today will not be one of my longer podcasts. Um, We try to go between 15 and 30 minutes for your daily Brown sports fix. Uh, Today, right after uh, posting this podcast, I will actually be heading up to Independence, Ohio to cover the Cleveland Cavaliers Media Day. That's the world champion Cleveland Cavaliers Media Day. I'll be meeting up there with uh, our Locked On Cavs podcast host, Chris Manning. And so make sure you check out his podcast, uh, Locked On Cavs. I'm sure he's going to have a lot of stuff from today's media day. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R for all things that I have. And so we are now 0-3. Not surprising, given where everything has been. Um, So what do we blame? You know, from yesterday's game, I think it's really easy to find three uh, places to place blame for the Browns. Um, and they're not overly surprising. I think one of them will be, uh, for some of you is uh, that where I put the blame for yesterday's game, but the other two pretty easy to look at. And so, um, the first you look at Cody Parkey, um, you know, the Browns put themselves in a position, uh, based on an injury through and walkthrough that they had to sign somebody and Parkey seemed to be the guy. And so he had some history of playing well. Um, and being good, but there's a reason he was sitting on the sidelines at 24 years old um, after graduating from Auburn in 2013, and so he missed his field goals, right? I mean, that's that's just kind of what's what the issue is for, for him is you got to be able to make those, and so the Browns would have easily won uh, had he made a couple, um, or if he would have made the one at the end of the regulation. The fact that they all went left means he did not adjust whatever was happening, and so that tells you that there's something going on there that's that's probably mental and and would be shocking to see Parkey uh, back next week. But then again, nothing uh, with the way things go for the Browns at this point should really shock us. Uh, so maybe we are stuck with Cody Parkey. Uh, maybe this will be the thing that um, accelerates him to a point where he really uh, puts in more effort, becomes a great kicker or whatever it is. Who knows? But I know for the Browns and for fans, this was just almost, I'll say it, this was, it was almost unforgivable. Um, I mean, I think Browns fans don't expect too much, but three missed field goals is reasonable to expect him to make the two of those three, at least two of those three and the Browns most likely win this game. We look at the scoreboard, obviously they would have won the game in regulation had he made that last field goal. And so Easy to point to Mr. Parkey as uh, easy to blame there. Number two is Austin Pastor. Again, um, another kind of easy one to blame um, with all of the penalties, all of the just getting bull rush back into um, 
into Cody Kessler and even Terrell Pryor. Uh, Pastor is a very good road grading kind of mauler type uh, offensive lineman in pass protection. He struggles. Um, the Browns are really hoping that Sean Coleman, Spencer Drango, one of those guys will take over that position in the near future. But at least in the run game, Pastor does provide some positives. And so you have to ask the question of whether there's a step down in the run game if you go to Coleman or Drango, um, even if there's a, a positive in the passing game. Right. And so everything is kind of a, a trade off. It is that way with most teams. Most teams don't have five offensive linemen that are just great at everything. That's pretty unrealistic at this point. You know, just the way the, the league is and how offensive line play is, that's just an unrealistic expectation. And so um, that's really a question for Hugh Jackson is whether he's willing to take that step down uh, in the run game for maybe a step up in the passing game. Uh, unlike other positions, you can't really rotate offensive linemen depending on what you're going to do. It's probably a bad idea to do that anyways. And so um, we're just kind of stuck with what we got. And so that's my number two blame falls on Austin Pastor. Again, not surprising. So we got Parkey, we got Pastor, and the third blame goes to play calling. A little bit connected to uh, Pastor he never was really given much help. And so whether it was a back to chip or to even just stay in and block, whether that was Gary Barnage to help keep Cameron Wake away from Cody Kessler and Terrell Pryor, um, the play calling really um, at some level caused some of our problems late in the game, also caused some of the problems with Pastor. And so uh, focusing on that play call in the two areas, the other area besides giving some help to Pastor, who just was clearly outmanned, uh, making that adjustment. The other issue was the Browns really went away from the run uh, late in the game. Um, and so it's a problem we saw last week uh, with the Browns. They, For some reason, Hugh Jackson, even with uh, a limited Cody Kessler or a hurt Josh McCown, tends to get a little pass happy late in games. Even when the game is close or tied, um, Hugh just got a little too pass happy and got a little bit away from the run. And so you had Isaiah Crowell with 15 rushes for 79 yards, a really good 5.3 yard per attempt. And you had Duke Johnson with 10 rushes for 69 yards, a great 6.9 average, especially when their longs were only 25 and 17. And so I think Hugh Jackson, again, not that it's the biggest fault. We started with that. That was Parkey. That was Pastor. But the play calling could have been a little bit better late in the games to run the clock down. Um, Hugh took some responsibility uh, when they took a knee at the end of the game instead of running the ball with that one timeout. Uh, he could have just run the ball with Crowell or Johnson. Um, he could have got a little even creative there with Crowell and Johnson in the backfield. Um, you know, a fake fullback dive to Crowell with a pitch to Johnson may have opened some things up on the outside. Obviously, he's worried about losing yardage, but heck, put Terrell Pryor back there let him get some yards. Uh, but whatever it was, the play calling was a little bit suspect at some important key times and did not provide protection for Austin Pastor. So that's the negatives. It's Parkey, it's Pastor, and it's play calling. There are a lot of positives coming out of this game. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship. 
in with Bill Pay on the Geico app. Thank you. So what are the positives? Uh, my buddy on uh, Twitter made it really, really clear uh, that Hugh Jackson bled a lot of blood out of a turnip. You know, when you look at the team, again, not expected to compete this year, not expected to be good. Um, the Dolphins were. They were expected under Adam Gase to really kind of take that next step to be good. Um, and they haven't been so far this season, but they were. there was expectations. So the Browns, let's let's kind of mark off everything that, that has happened for the Browns between last week and this week. The Browns lost their number two quarterback, Josh McCown. So they were on their third quarterback. That third quarterback was a rookie third rounder who few, even inside the organization, thought was ready in Cody Kessler. So that's number one. Number two, they lost their, maybe even their best receiver, um, the one that had a breakout game in week two, Corey Coleman. So they, they're down from the big three of Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, and Terrell Pryor. Gordon's still suspended. Coleman's now hurt. They're down to Pryor. Three, you lose Cameron Irvin, who, like Pastor, really, really good in the run game, struggles in pass protection, line calls, and those kind of things, but still really, really good in the run game. You lose him, your starting center. On the other side of the ball, you lose Carl Nassib, who was making, getting a lot of pressure on the ball, um, really making an impact in the pass game and even in the run game. You lose Joe Hayden, your best cornerback by far, uh, two interceptions last week seem to be coming back a little bit, even though he may never be a true great cornerback, uh, a very good cornerback. You, you don't have him. So you, you look at a team and then already without Des Bryant and some other players, this team was not very good and injuries made it a lot worse. And yet here we are, Cody Kessler, 21 of 33. Six, a 64% completion percentage, 244 yards. And here's a here's a fun one, Browns fans, no interceptions. Right? And so while um, you heard me talk about the Jacoby Brissett, New England Patriots kind of plan, uh, the template that they set up in Thursday Night Football with him, the Browns kind of went one further. And so they put Kessler in a good position to succeed, but they also let him throw the ball a lot. And so he basically doubled up Brissett's Uh, yardage, had a very good completion percentage. Again, the ball wasn't going downfield a ton, but he was only sacked three times, hit a ton of times, but he was really able to make some kind of plays. This isn't me anointing him the next Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, or even Jacoby Brissett. It's telling you a lot about this Browns team, telling you a lot about Hugh Jackson's ability to get players in position to win and to do well. It's something that he did very well with a rookie quarterback, Cody Kessler. Again, 244 yards on 64% completion percentage, no interceptions, right? He led a Browns team to 24 points, could have been 30, could have been 33 even, right? So he put the Browns in position to really, to score some things. So Cody Kessler, a positive, something to get excited about. Crowell and Johnson have already talked about their yardage and their yards per carry. That means we had a run game that was still getting going, right? And so Pastor, who can run block. Alvin Belly showed really, really well today. John Greco, Joel Batonio, and Joe Thomas. We know all about the three Js. Um, we know what they can do on the offensive line. But they were really able to run the ball. Um, 
And so it's just a, a really exciting time for the Cleveland Browns offense. And then you look at the receiving core, obviously Terrell Pryor, uh, it was the Terrell Pryor game, right? 14 targets, eight receptions, 144 yards. He threw the ball five times, three completions for 35 yards. He ran the ball four times for 21 yards, right? Terrell Pryor was all over the place. It asked the question, what is his contract going to look like next year? But we've seen someone who has really developed. I think the most important thing for the Browns is, does he continue to develop as a receiver? Uh, we saw him run more and more routes this week, uh, which I think is just a great sign. Uh, those crossing routes are going to be huge with him and Gordon, these big bodies that Kessler, McCown, RG3, or whoever the draft pick is next year can really kind of get the ball to. Gary Barnage, again, back kind of in the game, five receptions, 66 yards. Uh, Ricardo Lewis had three receptions for 40 yards, right? So even though he uh, struggled a little bit, fumbled the ball after his first reception, uh, let one bounce off of his hand, out of his chest instead of using his hands later in the game for his one drop. Um, still was able to make some impact. Kind of surprising it was Lewis instead of Rashard Higgins, who I was predicting all week. But again, for the receiving core, looked good, right? They were able to make some plays after the this, this season that we've seen from the Browns uh, in the past from the wide receivers. The Browns are down two of their top three receivers and still were able to make an impact. Defensively, were we great? No, but we did put some pressure on Tannehill. We forced uh, Jamar Taylor's interception early was, was him just being aggressive to the ball. Uh, Tyrone Holmes got pressure uh, on him, which caused the interception, the pick six um, from Body Calhoun. Um, and so, again, the defense, while not great and down a bunch of bodies, was still able to... Um, keep their rushing game down. Um, the top rusher, nine attempts for 37 yards. Uh, they put a lot of money into their offensive line, some draft picks, those kind of things. They were missing some for injuries like the Browns were, but the Browns were able to really kind of control um, the the primary run game. Uh, Jarvis Landry got two for 16 yards, um, but it was really in the passing game as we expected. Landry with 120 yards, still some work to be done, but I expect the Browns, like they did with the wide receiver position last year, to really address the defensive back position uh, in the upcoming draft. And so when you look at needs for this team, you're looking at an offensive lineman, a quarterback, obviously, and then a bunch of secondary players. And so they have the picks to do it. So coming out of this game, while, again, we lost and there's a lot of frustration, I think there's some Browns fans that would be are more upset today <clears throat> from a... 30 to 24 loss in overtime than they would have been about a 30 to 7 loss in regulation. I think there's a little bit of that excitement gets us going, and then we kind of fall flat. But there's a lot of positives for what Hugh Jackson was able to do last uh, last night, yesterday. Um, and so the negatives, Arky, Pastor, and a little bit of the play calling. Not only the late play calling and not helping Pastor, but some of the early stuff in the first drive was trying to get a little too creative, uh, weren't really prepared for that. I think some of that had to do with the quick interception, um, and so Jackson wasn't ready and the team wasn't ready to kind of get out there and do their thing. But besides that, we saw a ton of positives. We saw Cody Kessler look like a competent quarterback. We saw Terrell Pryor dominate the game. It really was the Terrell Pryor game. We saw Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson run the ball really, really well. And so overall, we saw a competent, quality team 
facing the Miami Dolphins this week. A lot to build on. Again, you'll hear this from me over and over again. The results this year do not matter to me. We can lose all 16 games and have excitement, have a lot of positivity coming out of it. While again, it felt a little bit like Charlie Brown getting the football pulled away by Lucy, the Cleveland Browns showed that they are a competent football team, that Hugh Jackson is a competent coach. While he's still going to make some mistakes, they all do. We saw the start of something last week, this week, and last week. This Cleveland Browns team could be 2-1. and one. They are 0-3. Oh That's the difference of a kick here and a play here and those kind of things. doesn't matter. This year's record really doesn't matter. They aren't winning the Super Bowl. They weren't. Even if they were 2-1, none of us would really believe they were going to make the playoffs. Instead, they are building something. And it doesn't matter if they win or lose. It's about building confidence and building the young players. And Hugh Jackson, Ray Horton, Pep Hamilton, uh, Kirby, all of the coaches have done that. We see an offensive line that can actually run block. It's amazing. And so, Browns fans, I know we're upset. I know we wanted the win. But, again, it's against the Dolphins. If this was against the Ravens in week two, the angers are going to be higher, and it was. If this was the Steelers or the Bengals, we'd probably be more upset. But me here on the Lockdown Browns podcast, I'm really excited. I'm excited for this Browns team to really slowly develop into something amazing. And with a a ton of draft picks going forward, the next two or three years are going to be really, really exciting. Can they hit on that one guy, that quarterback? Can they find their LeBron James? Because it looks like they found a bunch of Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson type of young players to really build around. On that Cavs note, I will be up in uh, Independence here in just a little bit. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. You can uh, see all my pictures and videos and interviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, See me hanging out with Chris Manning. We'll probably do a little video together real quick. So uh, we're not going to end today with a clicked on. Uh, listen up and tune in. Um, you guys are great and have actually been really responsive to that. Just don't have time for that this morning. So uh, this is me signing off. Thanks for tuning in and go Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.